Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Andorians and Vulcans and humans, oh my. This is the first time we see the antenna move. How cool. cool is that when they walk in and those antenna are moving? It's like, yes, yes, they have already made the Andorians better than they ever were. And I don't even know what the story's about. You said when when production value is extremely important to a viewer, that's you right there. You know, some things I don't care that much about, but the antenna, ooh. That one did it. (laughs) I loved them. That's my Andorian. So welcome, everybody. uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, Jessica. Hi. Hi. First time newbie going through this trek. I bet you already knew that because I don't know who would start this on episode 47. Go back to the beginning. Watch it or listen to it from the beginning and follow along. See what you think. Send us your comments. Oh, and then I have a co-host, too. He's here. <laughs> Hello. I think she's talking about me. That's me, Andy Goldberg. I am the Trek veteran here. And uh, you're absolutely right. This is our 47th, the Star Trek number, 47th episode of Beginning the Trek. And that is the Andorian incident. So for those of you that have been following along, uh, we're going to be talking about Andorians. And we're going to be talking about Vulcans. An awful lot in this one, right? How can you not? How can you not? It was, oh, I loved your, your, the conversation so juicy, juicy rich this one is. So we will get to that in a moment. But before I do the 10 sentence spoiler of the Andorian incident, Jessica and I are so grateful that we have anybody listening to us uh, right. talk about Star Trek and and follow this journey. It's been a, a labor of love um, that's lasted almost a year now. We've been doing this for, we've been working on it for more than a year now. And uh, we wanted to say thank you to the listeners. Thank you, all of you, for listening. Very much. Especially if you made it this far. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, well, hopefully it's gotten better, not <laughs> if you've made it this far, you've seen it get better. This has been a really, really amazing thing. It forces you, the way we've done this forced me to join a community, and this community is amazing. You guys know so much, and uh, my experience has been a really, really great one. So uh, thank you to, like... Every fan, every actor, every person who's worked on Star Trek in general, to it's this is a labor of love. Everybody who works in Star Trek around Star Trek is so clearly a labor of love. <laughs> anyway, the entire point of this conversation is a little bit about money because this is a lot of hard work and we're happy to do it. But if you uh, have felt like this has been valuable, we have put up a uh, PayPal link on our website and uh if you followed along and want to support us we're not doing a patreon because we don't offer anything more than what this year of creation has done but for these last episodes we are gonna ask you you know maybe buy us a cup of coffee or um send us a couple bucks so that we can keep hosting so that these downloads can keep happening and we can keep the website up 
for however long we can. Yeah. We, we decided early on not to do a subscription and not to, not to put in uh, any kind of ads or anything advertisements. We didn't want to quite frankly, we didn't want to add that in and have you need to listen to that week after week after week. So we got a half a dozen weeks left uh, and we're going to mention the PayPal uh, just during these last half dozen. If you enjoyed this and it so moves you, we would really appreciate anything that you could do to help us uh, just to, keep the, the, the thing hosted and um, it cost us a little something. It cost us a lot of time. A lot of time. A lot of our expertise. Yeah. Um, I think that's enough on this subject. Uh, but yes. thank you all for w- whether you whether you choose to or not, uh, choose to donate or not. Um, thank you so much for listening, for engaging, for sharing this podcast and Star Trek with the people in your life. It's needed now more than ever. Yeah. That's what we feel. Okay. Okay. It's time. Back to Andorian Incident. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Because he's about to ruin it with his recap. Okay, here we go, the Andorian incident. We open on a peaceful alien landscape displaying a Vulcan monastery when blue-skinned, white-haired humanoid aggressors with pairs of active antennas break in. And ladies and gentle beings, I present to you Enterprise's version of the Andorians. Enterprise is passing near Pajem, where Vulcans practice culinar, hashtag the motion picture, and since Trip has been itching to visit somewhere, let's go there. T'Pol teaches Archer and Trip some Vulcan protocol, probably stuff Hoshi already knew anyway, and then the trio shuttle down to Pajem, only to be turned away as the Vulcans say, now's not a good time. Smelling a big blue rat, Archer and Trip subdue the Andorian hiding in the room, and in turn are subdued by the half-dozen Andorians hiding just outside the room. So this Andorian, Shran, thinks the Vulcans have a secret spy scanner hidden here, but the Vulcan priest says that that's totally illogical, which is true. And since Vulcans are logical, episode over, right? No way, says Shran. The Vulcans are lying liars who are lying, and you pinkskins are working with them, so you must be lying liars too. And by the way, pinkskins, best racist insult ever. (laughs) While Malcolm prepares an assault team, Archer et al. discover that these technophobic Vulcans actually have a transmitter in the catacombs. Just a tiny white lie, so it's okay. And Trip goes to contact the ship. Shran interrogates both Archer and T'Pol, insisting the scanners are there, and when he gets a bit too rapey on the science officer, Archer retaliates by, well, allowing himself to get his ass kicked, but don't worry, it's, it's all part of the plan. Malcolm's assault is a success, and since the transmitter is just down the hall from the curtain that's hiding the Vulcan version of Q Branch, a room filled with tons of spy tech, and I'll be darned, <laughs> the Andorians were right all along. <sighs> Archer, seeing the depths of Vulcan deception, rewards Shran, never mind the beating that he got from the blue skin, by giving him all the info about the spy base, and perhaps this will lead to something great. I mean, it could, right? I, I think. Maybe. I hope. Yeah. We can all hope, since there's no wrap-up at all from this episode. Well, and that's why Shadows of Pajam. <laughs> So we should talk about the Andorian incident. Episode 47. 
That's a Star Trek number. Oh, it is. It is. Every time I'm like, this is a surprise. Episode 47 is the Andorian incident. So it brings us like fullest circle from the original series and those crazy aliens that we met back way back in before we were even in our teens. And here we are, you know, seeing more about them. I love that this is our 47th episode. I kind of was giddy about that. Very Star Trekky. <laughs> It is very Star Trekky, and this is the first time I actually watched all of the episodes in between. Oh, okay, good. You watched more than I have, then. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, it's it's tough doing this journey the way we've been doing it. It was fine, kind of even through TNG, and then the moment we got to DS Nine, starting, it's gotten so skip around, um, and just by nature of what we're doing. So I have as much as I did not necessarily enjoy the non-pilot pilot of Enterprise. I did. I did binge through all these other episodes. So I'm familiar, as Great. familiar as a first-time watcher can be. Okay. And this one, I understand why you picked it, because of these that I've watched, this is definitely the best. Great. It's still not, like, it's still no five out of five, but I'm going to give it three out of five ancient dead Vulcans simply used for creeping out people to keep them away from the tech to spy rather ineffectively and for no reason on the neighbors of the Vulcans. Ancient dead Vulcans. Got I it. I mean, we're gonna no, we're gonna talk about the Vulcans in this episode. I have no oh, doubt. Oh, I think we're gonna talk a lot about talk the Vulcans about it, in this episode. Oh yes. This seems like the most non-Vulcan thing to do is to use their dead at a place where people go for this spiritual thing to hot. Like that's so not. I it went too far. Like that hurt it's me. Very strange, isn't that it? That hurts Spock. Yes. In my head, yes. like, how does Spock look back at his own past and see that they used and then trip, like, literally trips over them? Mm. And the guy's like, yeah, those those are we respect those. I'm like, do you really? Because I don't think you do. Anyway, it, the Vulcans bugged me a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think they bugged a lot of people in this episode a little bit. And, and... is that good or bad? Well, we start to learn a lot about the Vulcan culture. And I'll let you know this right up front, is that this is the beginning of a story arc. Cool. There's the, Good. The, the, if, if, if you enjoyed where this started and you're interested in what happens as a ramification of it, I'll even, you know, it's not, I wasn't going to put this on the recommended, but what the hell. The 15th episode of the first season is called Shadows of Pajem. Okay. And it deals directly with what happens as a result of the Andorian incident. Okay. So the story continues, and then there are further stories going forward about uh, what happens with Vulcan leadership, what happens with Vulcan religions and philosophies, and... So it's a good shift. Maybe even a power okay. struggle. Good. good. If you go somewhere with this, then... Then I'll I'll be okay with it. Remember, we're a hundred years, more than a hundred years before right. Kirk's time here. But that's only half a lifetime for a Vulcan. Exactly. That's that's true. That so is. So they must change a lot in like one generation. So like technically, Sarek would be being born right now in this. Sarek is time. Not quite born Soon yet. To be born. I don't. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> I don't know Sarek's birthday. I'm sorry, and I feel like I'm letting all of the Trek community down. 
<laughs> that wasn't what it like. No, I'm just kind of tr I'm trying to place it in much the same way that I'm like, oh, this came out like right after 9-11, trying to place it in our own cultural history, trying to place the Vulcans in their own cultural history, because I would definitely hope that the writers and the producers and the directors all know when this is happening in there, in that timeline. You watched a mock time, right? The, the Spock's wedding. Yes. To Pow is alive at this time. Was that the... She was the, she was the priestess, priestess. Okay. that was that was officiating at Spock's wedding. <laughs> okay. She is, she is alive, she is a young adult, and she will be in an episode that we will see in the future. Okay, we cool. We will watch her, but I'll be po I will You'll be point pointing you to it as it is a part of the... I don't know what to call it. The, the Vulcans versus the Andorians storyline. Okay. The, the, the Andorian Vulcan conflict, let's call it. This gives me hope what you're saying because it was they spend so much time on this hostage nonsense and no time, literally none, on resolving anything about the Vulcans or even to Paul or Archer's decision to hand over some of this stuff. Like not even a tiny scene of anyone coming to the realization of what this means. They go straight from realization to end credits. And I was just like, ah, so I'm really glad that they go somewhere with this and they don't just like smack you upside the head and drop it. Mm. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad that because, um, yeah, it was it, the, the, the hostage stuff. It was an action episode. There was a lot of action. There was a lot of, yeah, it was a fairly basic hostage episode. It's funny because I, I don't know how I felt when I first watched this episode, but knowing that it there's payoff to it, I didn't feel that when I watched it now. But I can totally get that it's like, come on, let's get to the cool stuff. Let's talk about yes. how does how does Tupal feel about it? Yes. How does Archer did Archer do the right thing, handing the data yeah. over to these people that he literally just met? Who has beaten the crap out of him, by the way. I mean, yeah, he asks for it a little bit, but you can, yes. you can see hints of how the Archer Enterprise crew is going to influence with little bits like this. You can see how the Federation is just getting the tiniest bit of ideas of why they're going to make the rules they do. I can see it, and I'm really loving that part of this, and I think that that's why I gave it a higher score. That was, that was fun to see. In the same way, they use the transporter for the first time successfully, yeah. all three of them. Um, um, that's uh, Malcolm, and I don't remember the other two. Who went with them? <laughs> were they just ensigns? Or Yeah, they were just... I think yeah, it would have been just... funny if had they spent maybe a little less time on the hostage nonsense and just like a tiny bit more time being like, we're going to have to bring them in one by one on the transporter so that they don't get mixed up with each other. Because... But, well, no, because there was a previous episode, um, and I don't know, like this is kind of just because I've seen it, uh, where a guy gets transported up and he's got like tree DNA in him because the transporter didn't work that well. And then we went straight from like that to this transporter, all three at once worked mm. and yeah, they're surprised and they're nervous about it, but I feel like they should have been like, we're going to do this one at a time. And, and then the last guy could have been like, Oh, okay. I think it would have built it up more. I don't know. That's just me. Whatever it was, it shows the progression of the technology. I love now that we're starting to trust it. Sure. Uh, and, and by the time we get into the next season, it just won't even be a thing. You know, we'll just be using the transporter. And, and having all of the usual transporter accidents because, you know, there were even less safeguards on these things than there are now. So, yeah, and, yeah. You know, well, hell, it, on, on 
Yeah, those transporters are always doing goofy things. If, it is, if it's not the holodecks, it's the transporters causing us grief. Something's always trying to kill you, <laughs> swap you, you in half. create Tuvix. They, they create Tuvix. I liked Tuvix. Who didn't like Tuvix? You didn't like Tuvix? Well, okay. He was sweet. I, he was he was fascinating. Yeah. And, and he's so sure of his own self-ness that it... Yeah, no, th- that's a completely different series. We can't go off on that's, that. Yeah, the, um, there you go. Bonus talking track for eight seconds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're talking technology, because the transporters are evolving. Yes. Where the hell is Hoshi? Hoshi Sato, our communications and translator and person who should be like involved in anything using protocol on alien contact. I think she's on the bridge. Like, I just think that you would have her around. Okay, so... More than the engineer when you're visiting a planet where you can't understand so you're aliens. Wondering why, you're wondering why Hoshi didn't yes. go down there, but but Trip did. So I'm going to rely on your memory because you've watched literally every episode. And I've watched a few of them in between <laughs> okay. the, the, the non-pilot pilot and this. this but I okay. haven't watched all of them. And I, I distinctly remember Trip continually bitching about how he wants to go on an away mission and can't. And Hoshi is continually terrified and she's of continually terrified. getting off the ship. She's terrified of being on the ship. Yes, this is, you're correct. This is a component of her character that I just don't care for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's that know. they I gave it. the scaredy cat thing to a to a woman that mm-hmm. makes it so distasteful for me mm-hmm. i can understand being skittish but she's got to at some point start to get over this stuff or she's just the skittish comic relief that's not that funny anymore wasn't that funny to begin with right i get that it's supposed to be a part of her character um they don't mention it in this, but you're absolutely right. Trip is forever. Let me go on this ship. Let me go on the planet. He's He really wants the adventure. We're going to a Vulcan sanctuary. There, we don't know about Andorians at this point. Mm-hmm. So if ever there's a time to placate Trip and say, fine, you want to go see a planet? This is probably the safest. This might be a good right. one to go. He, he's with well, Paul. Right. He's with this. So I can understand why he would be the one that would go. But I love the way, like, no mention is made of needing a translator. I guess it just works at this point. Um, I mean, they meet the Andorians. Like, you'd think that there would be language. I don't want to go into, like, all of the language nonsense. I just want it to be, like, give me a one-liner that explains... Right, and you didn't notice it during any of the episodes that you watched? I don't think so. I'm so sorry I didn't get a chance to watch all of them. I had to start watching ahead oh, through no, recommendations. Oh, sure. no, this isn't... So uh, it's not like I was sitting on my butt not watching Star Trek. <laughs> I swear I was watching Star Trek, just not this one. And I very well could have missed it. Or it could just be one of those things, we don't want to deal with this anymore. We can talk to aliens. Done. The translation works. Well, and you even mentioned when we did our Broken Broken Bow episode, you mentioned the, this is going to get real, real fast. It is, and, yeah. And it, and it did. Well, now I'm contradicting myself. So, so, so say thank you. The aha. There you go. See, they got the translators up and running in time for you to not be annoyed Stop by Stop whining, them. Jessica. <laughs> there you go. And good for them. Ah, I get that. Okay. So we've got this wonderful story of these Andorians that are accusing the Vulcans. We've got the Vulcans swearing their innocence, protesting their innocence. and Right. And they're Vulcans, so we trust them because they could never lie. Especially since Spock, who is like the model Vulcan. And when you think about it, really the one we've gotten to know definitely the best. Absolutely. I mean, I guess we've gotten to know 
Tuvok as well. There's something when you watch all of this that you know everyone is basing this on Spock. T'Pol is definitely basing this coldness on Spock. And I, it doesn't hit for me, or it doesn't hit for me yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will. Yeah. She comes off as extremely negative. Even not... I understand some of the stuff she says is very logical, and I'm like, why aren't you listening to T'Pol? Come on, Archer. Mm. But some of it comes off as just, you're just being... Standoffish is the word that comes to my mind. Not the word that comes to my mind, but... Shorter word? <laughs> I was going to go, um, just a total bitch. <laughs> okay, that's the word I thought you were thinking. And Spock wasn't a total bitch. He was cold and logical, Yes. but you always got a baseline of his loyalty, which we're getting, because I did... Like, she's not not loyal. She's just... Like always on attack mode when Spock wasn't in attack mode. Yeah. So maybe that'll soften up. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yes. And and, and I want to see how how she ends up in your mind going forward. I want to see her grow. That'll be amazing. And there's no way she doesn't after this, especially if they continued the story. Yes. She's got to change. A lot of humility will come out of this. Um, she starts to recognize, you know, who her people are. And, you know, like we all do. It's, it's just, uh-huh. once again, Star Trek just holds a mirror up to humanity and says, see, take a look at the ugliness, but it's not you. It's an alien. So you can look, you can see it. I'm getting a sense of, I need to apologize for everybody in every other country. They're like, our leadership isn't necessarily reflective of all of the population. Yeah, and you know what they're saying over there? You know what? Ours either. That, no, that's exactly where I took Ours either. what you were yeah, going. But, but you're right. We're not all the same. Right. We aren't all up to the same things. There are there are people who do things that some people consider to be good and some people consider to be bad. Uh, lines blur, ethics, blah, 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 all this stuff, you know? And here we are looking at this race that we had put these very high ideals on and saying they're not all that or they weren't always that. Yes. And this is, in a way, a revolution of sorts for them, too. I mean, they're dishonest as hell in this episode. Uh, Yeah, they're the bad guys. If this was Kirk and we landed on this world, they're the bad guys. And it's certainly not going to improve with all of that with all the griping that we've done just in this series of the Vulcans, I don't know if I want to get to, cause I, I love the, Vul- of course I love Spock. Let's be I know, honest. I know. So I know. seeing the Vulcans not be Vulcans, it was, I can understand, especially if you're a seeing super the Vulcans fan, not be Spock, seeing the Vulcans, not be Spock, seeing the Vulcans, not uphold all of the things and not a one of them. Yeah. Sort of like seeing all those, corrupt Klingons not be the ideal that Worf sets forth. Well, no, that one I didn't, like, I understood a little bit. Well, you can understand it. You can see the corruption and understand it. You just don't want I just it don't to happen li- with the like, Vulcans. I don't like it. I don't want my Vulcans to be Vulcans. bad guys. <laughs> You're cuddly little yes. Vulcans. I got it. They're definitely not. I mean, the sellouts are cuddly a little bit, but not the Vulcans. They get some stuff to learn. They get some things to do. They get some growth. And it's good because this means not monoculture, which every time that shows up, people get angry too. There's no winning in sci-fi. Somebody's going to get mad at everything. Yeah, and and but that's the, that's the beauty of this is that it creates more of this kind of dialogue. This is a great episode for that. Um, 
I can I can look at the Vulcans and say I can totally see their point. I can see how they could totally justify their actions. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I would do it, but I can understand how somebody could get to a place of they are so mistrustful. They they don't want to they don't want us out there. Maybe because they want to protect us. Maybe because they want to protect space. Sure. You know, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. But but every time that there's an opportunity for us to go somewhere, they're right there saying, "Ah, you don't want to go there." You know, you don't want to go there. You don't want. They are so cautious and so mistrusting of everything that they would have a secret radar base hidden inside of, you know, their thing is not out of the realm of question for me. You know, it's not out of the realm for them. Well, that's interesting because I thought that it was one of the most illogical things that they could do. Mm. They're pacifist. Like they've already embraced this and told other people, other told all of humanity to embrace Mm -hmm. this. And yet, like, why do they... That's really interesting because I don't see the need for them to spy. They already know the Andorians are angry. They don't do anything about it, but they're going to make this entire thing to spy on them. That's dumb. Seems petty, right? Without knowing the details. We know. It's just you've invested. They've clearly invested a lot. And they've clearly disregarded their own culture and this temple, this ancient temple where people go to do colonar. I never really, I didn't watch the movie. So, yeah. So, so in Star Trek, the motion picture, Spock is going through the Kolinar process. Where he's stripping all emotions. He's trying to strip all emotions. He isn't able to do it. So he returns to the Enterprise, goes and has an experience that is, transcends everything. And he ends up like getting what he needed through that instead of the Kolinar process. Well, they've completely trashed this entire process that they hold for this spying. Yes. And... The spying doesn't provide anything. They don't attack the Andorians. They don't even defend the spy. They put up a curtain. Guys, guys, they put up a curtain to hide the spy machine equipment. I mean, granted, they put the curtain in front of, like, their dead, ancient, respected people. Yeah. What are they getting out of spying if they're not even going to protect the spy equipment and they're not going to do anything? Also, the spy equipment didn't see the Andorians coming. I don't understand why there's spy equipment if they're not going to do anything with it. Well, I'm not sure that they they didn't know they were coming. I mean, they didn't seem to react harshly to it, and they certainly weren't going to attack or defend. I mean, they you know I think their goal is to just they probably shut down all the equipment so that it wasn't scannable, but. What they need it for, I, 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 it strikes me as that these these Vulcans are paranoid and they're and they're nervous about what's out there, and they take very slow steps out into the world themselves. So they need humanity. Yes, they do. We're all reckless and diving into everything and making assumptions when we shouldn't and just shooting people willy-nilly and warp drives, just turning them onto 11 just to see what happens. And bringing our sense of right and wrong into the universe because, damn it, the universe needs what we believe is right and wrong. Uh, right? So it seems like if these two could get together, we might have a pretty good ship, huh? <laughs> could make for an interesting future alliance. Mm. You never know, right? <laughs> and then these Andorians, you know, you've got these kind of warlike blue-skinned, white-haired antenna, by the way, antenna that move, that, like, 
I'm sorry, but the minute that, that Shran walks in in the teaser and mm-hmm. his antenna move, it instantly became the best episode of Enterprise for me. Really? All you needed was that production value? That moment when I saw him come in, I said, that's Star Trek right there. This is upgraded Star Trek. And I was like, I was in for this episode. I was, so I got excited about this episode in the I teaser. I want to see a cosplay of somebody who does antenna that can move. I didn't see a whole lot of Andorians this year. But I saw a couple. Last year. In Vegas. Last year, there were a couple and they had antenna that not just moved, mm. but that moved purposefully. Oh I don't know my, how that's awesome. this guy controlled them, but he was actually like able to use them like eyes to move. Like, like if you mm-hmm. were talking, he could move the antenna toward you. It was weird and creepy and awesome. People have talked to me. They're like, oh, the production value really made Enterprise what it is. And I have tended to be like, nah, that's kind of like Yoda jumping around in Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. like, it's cool. It's not going to save the story. It can look awesome. But if you don't base it, then I'd rather have the puppet. I wish they would have pushed it maybe a little bit further. Like instead of uh, seeing, like maybe they have bad eyesight. And so they move, they move the antenna. That would have made people angry, but I don't care. Or like if they're eating, they actually hold the food up to their antenna or something like that would have been just like a cool nod to these don't just move and they're cool, but they're built into how the aliens live their lives. Maybe like a little bit of that. I'm trying to decide if I want to spoil something for you about this. Um, Are they like sex organs or something? No, oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's a good spoil. It's a great story. It's a great story. Something you happens. Know with sci-fi. I'll, okay. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it a little bit. It's a, just a little fun spoiler. So at one point, Shran loses an antenna, <gasps> gets cut off and it's a disgrace. And he has to deal with feeling like he's not a full Andorian. It's an sure. interesting component. It comes later in the show. What an amazing way to handle disability. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I like that. I'm telling you, Enterprise was, it was, it was doomed from the start because of some of the stuff that they did, like you saw in the pilot. And so it just took a while to get going. Mm-hmm. But the ideas behind it, and this is a great example of it. The Andorian incident is so great of let's fill in the gaps of what, what happened before Kirk. Right. How did we get there? And the fact that the Vulcans were not, necessarily what we thought they were from watching Spock. Right, right. They turned out to be something else that sort of evolve. I love that about Enterprise. That's one of the things I love about this show. There's little things to every time T'Pol looks into the, I don't even know what that's called, that thing. The scanner. The scanner. Spock's old scanner, right? Yeah. I'm like, I see what, I see exactly what they did with that. And it's, it's, um, yes, it's little, little tiny things. Is that fan service or is that actual continuity? Because some of the stuff, it seems like they they did this, and then some of it, it's like, oh, they completely changed it. They kept the Klingons in forehead ridges. Yes. It would have been really interesting if they had gone back to Klingons being original series looking. Like, they could have done that. Oh, and I, I think you said they addressed As it, As we too. point out, yeah, there will be in the fourth season. There are, The fourth season is a whole different thing. There's an anthology nature to Enterprise that I'm discovering. We'll talk more in Talking Trek about that. Okay. That story is one of the stories that we'll see. So you'll see how the Klingons change their spots, so to speak. (laughs) All right. Lose their ridges. Do you have anything more aside from the antenna? On the way the Andorians behave. Um, on the way the so well, but so you've got the of course I do. So they're 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 ruthless. <laughs> they seem very warlike. They you know always with a weapon in hand, willing to to give 
Archer. Well, you they know, seem like underdog terrorists. A little bit, right? Me. They definitely f- like they're gonna send raiding part like four. There's four of them. That's not a whole lot. That's not an army, guys. That's just like a squad, right? That they sent out. So in my mind, this is what they. That's this is a military squad that they sent out to prove something that they end up proving. How about that? <laughs> mm. Turns out they were right all along. Hmm. Now what are we going to do? Yeah, right. What are they going to do about it? Now what are we gonna they didn't do? resolve anything. And then I looked, I looked ahead. I didn't watch ahead, but the next one doesn't deal with this. And I got really upset. <laughs> we will come back to Pajam with Shadows of Pajam. Mm-hmm. There'll be some additional episodes with Shran. Uh, and then we will spend some time on the planet Vulcan. We won't. Oh, okay. You can. The series will. In the will. fourth season, there is a three-part episode about Archer and Tupal meeting Tupal. Things happen. I'm not going to okay. get... Uh, wow, I've, I've already shared too much. It's a great three-parter. We'll, I'll talk about it more when we get to the fourth season. But there's, there's, there's stuff coming. I'm kind of glad you talked about the Vulcans the way you did. Like being paranoid. Because it puts a little bit less... Little perspective. The logic of it really bothered me. Yeah. I loved the reveal. And I actually, did you like the way Archer handled it? Because he makes a split decision. To give them to the, the data? Really, yeah. I don't know. On one hand, it, it's very consistent with Star Trek's ideal that being, that honoring the truth above all else is important. And this was mm-hmm. a truth and he was honoring that. And we really don't know who these Andorians are. I mean, this is the first guy we met. And like you said, he beat the snot out of you, dude. Right. Are you sure that you want to potentially escalate a war? This could escalate a war. It seems like what he's doing. It's, it, you know, we don't know what the ramifications of this is. But on the other hand, I can also understand how Archer feels about the Vulcans. So I can get it why he might say, well, you've been the bad guys and I'm not going to let you get away with it. Here's your pu-. So he, it might have been just an opportunity for him to punish them a little bit. I don't know whether or not it was the smart thing, but he's a pretty impetuous, pretty arrogant captain yes. at this point. You could take it either way. You could take it, wow, that's really amazing that he would do that for somebody who had kicked his butt and threatened him this entire thing as though it's a very heroic kind of thing, like he's putting that aside. Or you could do that as he is being unbelievably petty and arrogant and handing over something that's going to hurt people because he doesn't like the Vulcans because they held his dad back and he's forever going to have that in his head. Mm. And he's never going to get like, and it's two super extremes and I don't know where you land. There's no middle of that. We have a lot to learn, all of us, don't we? Hmm. Hmm. Well, let's see if we get enough seasons in to start learning some of those lessons. Episode 47's Talking Trek. I love that we're doing 47. <laughs> I just love that we're doing episode 47. So, uh, because, it, well, my cosplay shirt. Yes. Which which got. You have a thing for the 47. I like numbers. That's true. I know you don't like the math, but I like numbers. So I had a, for those of you that didn't see it, and we should post a picture of okay. it. I had a shirt. I made a shirt for the Trek convention uh, that was essentially an homage to 47. It had 47 references to the number 47 on it from Star Trek. And the shirt itself, when I posed properly, 
spelled out the number 47 so there you it's go it's a cool little you can't you had it made you go hmm for a second it, it, it was one of those things it was a thinker you had to look and look and you could always tell the ones that could see it immediately and the ones that couldn't but wanted to pretend that they could don't be ashamed of people who don't get the joke they might get it a day later i've been that person they can be lot. they can get it later it's just funny <laughs> to watch them watch them uh pretend so there you go so let's talk some track guest stars This guy was recognizable, but probably different recognizable for me than for other people. (laughs) Because he's one of those guys who's been in a ton of stuff, especially if you like uh, sci-fi and You are talking about the the one and only Jeffrey Combs. Yes. Who in this episode played the leader of the Andorian um, uh, raiding party, Shran. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, This guy is a Trek... I mean, he has been a guest star god. Yeah, he's a veteran of of many episodes, many different characters. Uh, he holds one of the Rat Pack records. So here's the Rat Pack. Okay. The last night of the convention, they do this this concert with four of the guest stars. Like the guy that played Goldicott mm-hmm. is one of them, and they all come out and they sing and stuff like that. Jeffrey Combs is one of them, and he is like the guy who has either done the most Trek characters, or he's appeared the most times as a guest star, or he's done the most aliens. One of those records. I don't remember which one is his, but they've all got like one of those records. And he's worked with all of them on Star Trek's Oh yeah, this was all on Star Trek. Yeah. I'm just talking about the Star Trek yeah. group. Uh, yeah, he was he was uh, Brunt from the Ferengi uh, Commerce Authority. He uh, shuts down Quark's bar in one episode, <laughs> and and has a nice, fun, recurring thing. Is that he plays the Wayun? He plays Wayun three, four, five, six, and seven. They're clones. Okay. <laughs> uh, and that's a Vorta, if you remember from... Uh, from. Uh, yeah, no, I remember her. That was the, that was our super right. first introduction to, yeah. Yes, he plays that. He's he's the Andorian Shran. He's got several guest stars as a variety of characters. Um, I think you only ever see his actual, like as a human, his actual face like once. Like he's in a holodeck in the background. <laughs> but yeah, he is. he's been around forever. And where do you know him from? Uh, so the weird thing, well, not all that weird, considering I really love Babylon Five, is guys. Babylon Five. Way like way back, he's one of the telepaths. Okay. He's like a nice telepath, which people who've watched B Five will know that that <laughs> doesn't really exist. Um, he's in the episode Eyes when they're trying to get the um, commander to, uh, like he he can't be. Human. Mm. They're trying to hurt him, uh, and he's the, he's like the second. Anyway, I recognized his face and I was like, where? And then all of these things pop up for Star Trek and I'm like, no, no, no. Ah, Babylon 5. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Super young. Uh, He's done a lot of video. He's done video games for Star Trek and other voiceover stuff. He's been in a lot of horror movies, which is why I don't see him a lot because I don't do horror. Uh, But but yeah, the guy's just a mainstay in Trek and and the whole sci-fi genre. And now I know. And now you know. Also... In in looking that up, uh, found notes by this was directed by Roxanne Dawson. Yes, cool. Uh, I saw that you wrote that down, which is I, I I didn't have to look that up because you did. No, very cool. So and you said that she's one of the ones that goes out and does some directing. I didn't realize it was this one, but good job. Right. It's a good episode. I like this episode. I like this episode a lot. I want to do some recommendations. Okay. 
Are we moving past season one? We are. We're, we're, we are done with season one. And your next official episode is not going to be in season two either. We're going to jump right to season three. Oh, okay. But I'm going to recommend some stuff in season two because there's some great stuff in there. So first off, here's what I discovered about, about Enterprise that I really am starting to like is the anthology nature of this show. There are a lot of standalone stories mm-hmm. inside of Enterprise that don't kind of – they don't follow any of the storylines. And some of them don't even follow the actual characters of Enterprise itself. Some of them are stories about history. And they use the characters uh, or the, the actors of, but they don't necessarily follow all the storylines. And I'm going to recommend an episode – that I really had, I really had to think about it. It's a great episode. So this is the second episode of the second season. Okay. It's called Carbon Creek. And in this episode, which features very heavily Jolene Blaylock, and I'm not saying it features T'Pol, I'm saying it features Jolene Blaylock. Because in this episode, T'Pol is telling the story to Trip and Captain Archer, the story of how her grandmother was involved, her great-grandmother was involved in the actual first contact between humans and Vulcans, which didn't take place with Zephyr and Cochran's ship, but actually took place during the 20th century when Vulcans crash-landed on Earth and had to survive in a small town called Carbon Creek. Okay. Jolene Blaylock plays the role of her great-grandmother, and it's almost completely outside of the Enterprise storyline, mm-hmm. but it's a, but it's a great. It, it shows what this show is capable of being in terms of filling in the history. Okay. And I think you're going to come out of that really liking to Paul a lot more. I would like that. I would like to like her a lot more. The way she tells the story and how it ends, I think you're gonna you're gonna. We'll see. We'll see. So that's recommendation number one. Okay. Recommendation number two. You are a Travis Mayweather fan. I know this. I do like that man. <laughs> Travis. I, I, I got it. So this is my Travis Mayweather uh, recommendation. It's my favorite episode of his that features him. So this is the 20th episode of the second season. It's called Horizon. And in this, Travis gets to go back home to his ship, his family's ship, the Horizon, and spend some time with them and deal with whatever it is that they are dealing with. So most of the episode is about about him and his family. Cool. So also uh, very spotlighted on a particular character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought I would do that one. So that's my second recommendation. Now, my third recommendation. I always give three, right? Mm-hmm. Well, most of the time. You gave one last time. I know. I only gave one last time. That's because there were only like five in between. And like I said, I didn't watch them all. I had to move ahead. Yeah. Uh, So thank you for filling. Are there any you wanted to recommend from those five? I recommended Fight or Flight. No. By the time I got to Andorian Incident, I'm like, this is the one that we're watching for a reason. Got it. There's there's some cute scenes in between. Like the really funny thing, um, Archer taking a shower with real water on a spaceship. Kind of crazy. So shows how, like, the transition there with the ships and stuff. And then the gravity goes out and all the water. And the water floats up. But that's just a moment. There are these cute moments, but the stories aren't quite as good, not nearly as good as this. And that's and that's a part of how they lost some of their following of the show, was some of these early stories just didn't, they didn't match the Star Trek ideals. So here we are coming into the end of the second season. We're already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, 
we're going to get to an episode that is basically Enterprise's version of the best of both worlds and family, the Jem'Hadar and the Search, mm-hmm. Scorpion and the Gift. Okay, it's one of those. This is this is where they are they are turning. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to recommend the first of these two episodes, and then the second of these two episodes will be the one we'll be watching. Uh, okay. Okay. So the first episode on the recommended list is called The Expanse. It's the 26th and final episode of the second season. So it's going to be one of those cliffhanger things. It, it, it is a cliffhanger. But even if you don't want to watch the whole thing, I am going to ask you to watch at least the, the teaser. Okay. And we had mentioned this when we did Broken Bow. Uh, we talked a little bit about how um, Enterprise came out right two weeks after 9-11. Right. And you said we're going to see. There's no way we don't deal, yes, with that. The Expanse is the 9-11. It begins with the 9-11 incident. I don't know how to not spoil a couple of things. This is our 9-11 episode. We get attacked. We discover that there is this this new thing out there called the Zindi mm-hmm. that is responsible for the attack. And okay. that's what The Expanse is about. Okay. And it's a part of the temporal Cold War storyline that we had brought up in the in cool. Broken Bow. I like that. Yeah. This is another shot of the temporal Cold War, Another another part of that. And that leads into... Us going out into what they call the Delphic Expanse, which is like this Bermuda Triangle of space out there, and the Vulcans say don't go. And the only other thing I'll just mention here is there is a small component in the Expanse that involves the Klingons attacking us. It's the Duras family. It's... The conclusion of a storyline that happened earlier in the in the season, mm-hmm. it's not that interesting, and it ends, and when you see it, you know what it is. It's just a thing that happened before, okay. and I, I didn't even look up what episode it is. That's how uninterested I was in that component of it, but I want you to see the rest Somebody's of the Somebody's mad because that's their favorite story of all. I'm sure. I'm sure, <laughs> but it's like, I just, I wish it wasn't in this episode because... It, it didn't need to be, and I would really love to have put it on the list, but 15 minutes of a Klingon story that we don't need is not what I wanted. So there you go. So now we get to really actually get to the next week. Wow, that was, yeah, that was, so there you go. So And, and, and the story will end with us heading into the Delphic Expanse to find the Zindi. Because humans. Because they attacked us. We're going to go attack them back. Well, we got to do something. Mm-hmm. We better go figure it out, right? Like, we're not going to put a spy satellite in our home world and then not do anything with it. That's not the human way. That is not the human way. We may we may put a spy satellite on Pajem. Everybody's doing it. So after all of that, what am I watching? Actually watching? Yeah, so I really don't have any other spoilers to give you. Don't you don't say. So we can just jump right into so the third season begins with the first episode, a one-parter. Just a one-parter. Uh-huh. I know, That I'm right? going to have to have needed watch. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure. I, and, and, and The Expanse is a one-parter as well. So they did not give you a two-parter and a one-parter or a two-parter and a two-parter. This is just a one-parter. And this is called The Zindi. Okay. The Zindi. The Zindi. And let me spell it because it's a weird spelling. X I N. D-I, you already have it. Well, it's sci-fi, if you're going to be like zzz. Zzz. And it features the ensemble. Okay. And this is the first episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, okay. What? What? What does that mean? Well, um, just a little piece of trivia that I'll throw in is that for the first two seasons, and I think I've done a really good job of getting it right, it was called Enterprise. 
but now it's called Star Trek Enterprise, and you'll even see it in the opening credits. They change it from just Enterprise to Star Trek Enterprise. Is Discovery just Discovery, or is it Star Trek Discovery? I'm not going to go look. I think it's Star Trek Discovery. Okay. I'm just curious. It's got to be Star Trek Discovery. Why would you take the branding off? Why would you take that amazing branding off of anything? Another brilliant move. Let's just call it Enterprise. Then it'll be like that James Bond movie that wasn't a part of the rest. Huh. Okay. Anyways, this ca- this features this episode features pretty much the ensemble, although certainly Archer is highlighted through a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what kicks off the season three Zindi storyline. Okay. Much of the stories of season three will will be inside of the Zindi storyline. Okay. And that's all I need to tell you about that. So, uh, do you want to tell us when you're tweeting, or do you want to predict? Do you want to give us tweet dates first and then predict? Uh, let me give you t- the tweet date. I will be watching this um, September second, the coming this coming Sunday, September second, two thousand and eighteen. Because Andy has harped on me about that Thank before. Thank you. Because uh-huh. <laughs> numbers are important. Because numbers Whatever. and dates and being accurate. 7 p.m. That's a Sunday. Uh, that's coming up. If you follow at Begin the Trek, it'll be there. It will. <laughs> it also shows up Facebook at Beginning the Trek. And then on our website, if you want to wait for the episode to come out, you just I put it in the sidebar there. Perfect. Okay. All of that. Yay. Promo. Follow. Like. Review. Um <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Grab their phone and make them subscribe right then and there. Our subscriptions have gone up since the uh, the uh, convention by a nice chunk, by the way. Cool. I just thought I would mention. Awesome. Uh, I think we're going to meet the Zindi in real time. They're not going to know what the heck is going on because it's all timey-wimey. And the people, the Zindi from the future that attacked us are... So we're going to come up, but we're so filled with anger and revenge that we're going to just start destroying stuff. And Archer's going to have to deal with that as a moral problem. That's what I think is going to happen. Got it. Yeah. We'll see how right you are about this episode, but I can definitely tell you some of what you said happens in season three for sure. So we will definitely be running into these folks at some point. So uh, you'll get to meet them. Uh, this week, you'll get to meet the Zindi and the new concept of, of who they are. And we will talk about it next, next, next week. Uh, next week, I guess. Is there anything else we should say before we sign off? I feel like this no. is just sort of going... Bah, 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 bah. Out, of, out of steam? <laughs> yeah, it's just like we just sort of ran out of... I'm going to watch the Zindi! Yay! Yay. I like when the Andorians uh, are angry and call them pink skins. Isn't that awesome? It was cute to see it reversed because you could see Trip being like, oh, you blue, whatever, Smurf, making jokes along the same lines. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do it right back at you because they think that pink skin is gross. Yep. And the mirror is pointed right back at us again. Mm-hmm. <laughs>